What is up? Welcome back. Episode 81 of Football Life presents the Audible on this last day of November in 2021. We are in the thick of it. Make teams making playoff pushes in the National Football League and in college football. A lot of news going on there. Uh, I'm Randy Hammond alongside my co-host Matt Bushnell. Matt, I'm sure the temperatures are different here. It's dark out here. I'm sure it's still light out there. Among those differences in our lives, how are you? You know, Randy, um, Baseball free agency hasn't been treating me very kindly. Same. Um, yeah. Um, both our team, our NFL teams are four and seven. Um, oh. We have a quarterback. You don't. Well, um, you have true. both. You have our first round pick. We don't have one. Um, other than that, life is good, man. 79 degrees right now. The sun is shining. So can't be too upset with everything, I guess. <laughs> There is your uh, Southern Arizona weather report from uh, Matt Bushnell. Uh, before we get going here, episode 81, we just briefly before the show started talking about how 81 is a, a great number, uh, an all-time receiver number. You had a couple of names in mind. Do you want to say who it reminds you of? Yeah, my, my favorite number for the longest time, um, 81, was Tim Brown. I loved watching Tim Brown with the Raiders. Um, just a really fantastic player. I remember played with the hated hated Notre Dame fighting Irish, hated the Notre Dame fighting Irish, still do. But Tim Brown held a player, and then we'd be amiss to not mention Terrell Owens, one of the greatest wide receivers to ever play. Yeah, and to that same token, uh, Randy Moss uh, was traditionally 84, which we'll, I'm sure we'll talk about in a few weeks. Um, also wore 81 with the Patriots. Uh, just a couple of years he played with them. Uh, I always think Anquan Bolden, who was great for the Cardinals and the Ravens. And then uh, if I'm a Giants fan, it'd be hard-pressed for me not to mention Amani Toomer, who uh, is a, a favorite among Giants land. Um, and randomly, it just popped in my head because Vince Mercadetti, our friend, is watching. But Luis Heel, uh, <laughs> Yankee pitcher this year, wore number 81, which is a weird number for a baseball player to wear. But sure enough, he did. All right. Well, let's get going with the primetime games, Matt Bushnell. We start in Landover, Maryland. Um, oh. Despite a team being uh, claiming that they play in Washington, they play in Landover, Maryland. Um, so I'm, I wrote this in the rundown. The Washington, D.C., greater than Washington State because the Washington football team defeated the Seattle Seahawks on Monday Night Football in uh, – I don't know how to describe it, but just a lackluster football game all around. Uh, this game ended 17 to 15 with Washington improving to five and six. Now, uh, you know, pushing for that seventh seed in the NFC, while the Seahawks picked a bad time to go three and eight uh, with the New York Jets owning their first round pick. Uh, this game got interesting late. The Seahawks scored a touchdown. To pull within two, and then their two-point conversion was intercepted uh, in the end zone. Washington, on the previous possession, could have put the game away with a field goal, but Joey Sly was injured. Uh, I think he was trying to make a tackle, or he on a kickoff, he ran, and then he – I don't even know what happened, but it was a lower body issue, so he couldn't kick field goals the rest of the time. So, anyway, uh, this game, uh, pretty garbage. You know, I, I feel like in this show I've had this reputation of defending Taylor Heineke. Uh, I don't know what it is about the guy. I just think he's fun. Uh, I said that in chat too. Like, I don't think he's great, but overall he's just entertaining. Uh, I like being entertained. I don't know what to say about it. Um, I don't think he's going to be great, but if nothing else, this season uh, has given him a backup job for life. I don't know if he's the starting quarterback for Washington uh, going forward, but nonetheless, he will get a job as a backup for his entire career. He's going to be one of these guys. We look back and be like, that guy made how much money? Uh, he's just going to be one of those guys because he, he's kind of proven he can, you know, get in the game and prove he can actually be capable. And I think that's important. So uh, Washington 17, 15 over the Seahawks, Matt, did you watch any of this game? And if so, I am terribly sorry. 
Yeah, no, I, I did watch this game last night. Um, and just to point off, I want to talk about Vince two topics. I totally agree. Even though Justin Tuck went to Notre Dame, I still hate Notre Dame. They have no reason for existing. <laughs> and then th- th- this game illustrates perfectly to what Vince's point and what we predicted earlier in the season. He wants to know why the Sunday night football games and Monday night football games are, have been so bad. Um, I feel like we got an irrational quality of Thursday night football games early on in the season. And now it's coming back to totally kick us in our ass. It's like, we gave you this. Now you're paying the price for it. But no, I mean, we expected Washington to be better than this. We expected Seattle to be a hell of a lot better than this. Um, Baltimore take away Lamar Jackson's four interceptions. <laughs> Baltimore probably blows the doors <laughs> off of them, but this, this game was just the epitome of Russell Wilson just looks bad. I mean, he looks bad. Um, I said it in the chat. I, I talked to a couple of people about it. He looks old and beat up uh, with the finger injury. It affects how you throw the ball. The way he throws the deep ball requires so much touch. And, and it really, I think the finger amplifies how important, having that feel is when you try to throw a deep pass. I mean, DK Metcalf was never in the conversation. Where was he all of last night? All for one catch and 13 or 14 yards. So really a non-factor for the majority of the game. Seattle kind of got going late, but their running game seems to be non-existent with Chris Carson out. This team just has a lot of problems and and I'm going to chalk it up to, they probably are going to turn the page on a lot of things. I am always hesitant. I don't know what sense it makes, Randy, to ever move on from a 32-year-old quarterback with quarterbacks playing into their 40s. I know Russell Wilson has some flaws, which is fine, but we've seen the other side of this. If you've never had a franchise quarterback, you know what that feeling is. I would never, ever in a million hundred years, there is no draft compensation you could give me that would want me to give up on my franchise quarterback. It would have to be so bad that that player just refuses to show up anymore. But in my opinion, there's trade rumors swirling around Russell Wilson. There's all this stuff being talked about Pete Carroll. Pete Carroll needs to go. You need to overhaul the coaching staff. The Jamal Adams trade was completely stupid now. I mean, they, they went after Jamal Adams a couple of times in this game and completely exploited his lack of coverage. He's a great blitzing safety. Other than that, he's not worth having on the field. So to me, right now with Seattle, you you got a clean house. It's time for a new GM. It's time for a new head coach. But never get rid of your franchise quarterback. To me, that's just ludicrous. I think Pete Carroll's time uh, is coming to an end here in Seattle. The clock is ticking. It's been a nice run for him and Russ. Um, But I don't know if you get rid of both. Uh, I don't know if you go full blowing it up. I don't think that's really the solution here. I think Russell Wilson is still capable of being an elite quarterback in the NFL. The injury, like you said, uh, is clearly having an impact on him. But what Seattle doesn't do, um, looking at you, Pete Carroll, is help him very much. They had 12 rushing attempts in this game. (laughs) You got to run the ball when you have a hampered quarterback, especially with his throwing arm. At one point, Seattle had five straight three and outs in this game. They're the only team in the NFL to do that, and they've done it twice this season. (laughs) This is unacceptable when you have Russell Wilson and you have guys like Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf. I know Alex Collins isn't your starting running back, 
but he can run hard. Why don't you try to run the ball a little bit more? Russell Wilson only had two attempts in this game. I know he's banged up, but let him use his legs a little bit. He has made a career of being versatile with his legs. Seattle does not help him and put him in positions to succeed. And that is the major issue I have here. I think Ross, uh, Ross made some great throws at the end of this game. Thought he made a beautiful throw to lock it uh, in the second half. He made a nice throw to, for a touchdown at the end of the game. Look, I think Russell Wilson is clearly banged up by the finger, but he is still extremely capable. And once he gets healthy, he's still one of the best there is out there. Now that the trade rumors are that he that he would like to play in New York slash uh, New Jersey, the metropolitan New York area, that's welcome to me, um, especially as a Giants fan. But um, the Giants cap situation scares me. I don't know if they could actually afford the guy. I, I really don't know how they would make that work. Um, but I would, I mean, any Giants fan who says they don't want Russell Wilson just doesn't know what they're talking about. Um, but he finished 20 31 in this game 247 two touchdowns i mean the stat sheet doesn't look horrible but if you watch the game you can see some of these throws that he missed uh, uh he's just not all there he holds onto the ball a little bit too long for my liking still and he got away with a few that could have been picked off as well so seahawks are a bit of a mess if you're a jets fan you gotta love that straight more and more every single day because i mean look the guy is a box safety he, he's essentially a linebacker he can't cover very well uh, he got gifted with an interception in this game but overall you're not missing too much if you're a jets fan i think you're thrilled with that first round pick and Washington right in the thick of it here maybe the Ewing theory is alive with Chase Young uh, missing on the defense <laughs> yeah I, I'm not sure if I'm ever willing to go to Ewing theory with a player like Chase Young I get it <laughs> um to me it's a wild crazy theory I, I don't know how applicable it is to championships I I don't think it's resulted in any but I could be wrong um maybe I just don't pay attention to it that much to, to me Washington it just it, they beat a bad Seattle team. I'm, I'm not going to put any stock into Taylor, Tyler, whatever his name is, Heineke. To, Don't to disrespect me. the Heineke God here. Come on. Uh, oh, the, the disrespect. Don't disrespect. Don't, don't do this. I, I, he just, he beats up on bad teams. Like these teams aren't good that he's beating. I mean, we, we go through it back and forth, back and forth. Like the, <laughs> the box. What are you talking about? <laughs> the, the bucks beat the Bucks. First of all, let's well, not kid okay. ourselves because you put that in a playoff game there's no way they're winning so i I'll, I'll give the guy credit man he he is fearless out there he'll make some of the most idiotic throws the most ill-advised throws in the history of the nfl and somehow there's terry mclaurin or logan thomas <laughs> or some guy covering up his ass to make sure that it's not an interception i i just i don't buy this team long term i just i don't see that they're a good football team to me this game epitomizes teams going in pretty much the same direction. Washington has to get a quarterback. Maybe they trade for Russell Wilson. Hey, they can see it. Yeah, I mean, they actually have – well, I'm sorry. The Giants do have some pretty nice picks. But with the four-game winning streak that the Giants are about to go on, that could change drastically. So stay tuned for that, though. To me, when you take a look at Washington, it's – it's just empty calories. I, I think we know who the playoff teams are, Randy. I, th I think we know we can go through it when it comes time to do it. I bet you San Francisco is going to sneak into the playoff race and that's going to be the team that knocks out Washington. Cause I, I think the Vikings are in, I think that's pretty much a lock. We, we, I think we know the Cardinals will go in, but I think that NFC playoff picture is starting to take shape. There was a lot of teams muddled in there, but with the Eagles losing a terrible game, saved Dallas's ass big time from that Thanksgiving blunder. So to me, kudos very much so to the Washington football team for beating a bad team again. But other than that, 
I don't know. It's an, it's an empty calorie win to me for the Washington football team. Shout out to Ron Rivera. I think this, he did a great job in this game. But I, I'm sorry, I don't buy it because they bought, they beat the Bucks. They beat Tom Brady coming off of a bye. Um, you know, I just I think that's a big win. And I, I think Washington's a little bit better than you're saying that they are. Uh, uh, but that's real, okay. Real quick, Vince asked, who, who has more left in the tank, Wilson or Rodgers? I mean, Wilson's, I think, five years younger. So I would I would bank on that just due to Six. the age of Six years younger. So, I mean, look, that, that I think is a major factor. So, uh, I think Russ just on that alone would last a little bit longer, but it certainly wouldn't shock me if Rodgers is around longer either. Yeah, I mean, he's taking that dewormer, so I imagine mm-hmm. Rodgers is going to be able to last a little while. He, he won't yep. get parasites, ladies and gentlemen. It's not COVID toe. It's fracture toe, apparently. Which <laughs> Who cares about HIPAA or anything like that anymore? All right. Uh, you kind of re- briefly mentioned it, but let's move on to Sunday night football now. Mm. Uh, this is also a bit of a stinker. And, uh, you know, I, I, I enjoy my Sunday night football viewing. That's my Friday and my work schedule, so I always look forward to it. But, boy, yeah. Baker Mayfield just sucks. Uh, it must be just all Odell's fault. Oh, wait a minute. It's <laughs> Odell's not <laughs> friends anymore. It can't be his fault anymore. That's wonderful. Um, Baker Mayfield has been a huge disappointment for me. Uh, I am just beyond the f- defending the guy. I, I love Stefanski still. I still, still love the, the Browns talent, but I do not like the quarterback when Iota. and somehow Lamar Jackson tried to play worse than Baker Mayfield with his four INTs. This was bad quarterback play in this game, folks. I don't know other, what other way to say it, um, but it's a good weekend for the Harbaugh's because the Ravens come out 16 to 10 over Cleveland. Matt, did you watch a lot of this game? Boy, I don't know. I don't know what to make of it because I, th- I think the world of Lamar Jackson, but he really didn't play well in this game. Yeah, this is the worst game I've seen Lamar Jackson play in three years. I mean, this was absolute trash. We used to call this, um, you know, fire pit tape where you just throw it in the fire and you, you never view it again because this game was that bad for Lamar Jackson. There's nothing you're going to gain from this tape if you're the Ravens. So I'm not really going to talk about the Ravens much here because I don't think it's really, you know, the defense is good. The Ravens will be fine. I want to talk about the Browns here. Um, Jake Conklin, that was kind of like, Mm -hmm. what the hell happened with him? And for those who didn't see it, he was walking to the sideline and then his knee buckled. It it looked really weird. He stumbled. You you almost thought like he had got shot in the head or something, but, um, he actually tore his patella tendon in his knee. So he is done for the year, which is a major injury, especially for an offensive lineman. You don't want to tear your patella tendon. That is a, uh, that's a bad one that essentially ended Victor Cruz's career I mean I know that's a different position but it's it's not a good one no no it it is not a good one at all and Jane Conklin got paid big money to go to the Browns so Mm -hmm. that's not insignificant but but let's talk about Baker Mayfield I, I feel like we need to discuss him Randy because let's face it he's coming up on that fifth year player option I believe the Browns picked it up And I believe they have to make a decision sooner or later, whether you're going to offer this guy a long-term deal. To me, it goes back to our discussions with Russell Wilson. When you have a franchise quarterback, why would you ever get rid of them? And to me, you either have that guy or you don't. I I actually give kudos to the Jets. I I really do on this because it's not easy moving on from a franchise altering draft pick of selecting a quarterback with a top five pick. Like that's a pretty monumental pick to be parting with on a quarterback and then getting rid of him three years later and not being able to get that extension signed. 
Um, for some of you youngins out there, I am not sure if you guys remember before the rookie wage scale, if you drafted a quarterback that high, usually you would sign them to a seven-year ginormous deal, like big money that would totally wreck your cap for years to come. So not only did they screw up your draft pick and you being able to build a team around them, but it also screwed up your salary cap for a while as well. So I think we have the rookie wage scale to thank you for that, because I, I do think that helps mitigate some of the problems, but the Browns have to move off Baker Mayfield. I, you know, I, I think we saw a little bit with the Packers and Rams game that Odell's still explosive. I mean, he pulled that nice double move on that Packers corner, burned him for a touchdown. That's what the Browns have been missing all year. That's kind of what we've been talking about. Something to take the lid off of that defense for the Browns. And I know they have um, Peoples Jones and, and Jarvis Landry's never really that dude. And they kind of lack that. They want to run, do the tight end sets, double tight ends, ground and pound, which is fine. But sometimes you got to release pressure from getting outside of the eight men in the box to having them play back. So the running lanes are a little less congested, but Baker Mayfield can't make those throws. And Baker Mayfield is putting the Browns in a very terrible position. And I personally, I don't think the Browns are going to win anything of significance with Baker Mayfield, at quarterback. I think one of the complaints about uh, Otel was that he was too fast for Baker, which is unbelievable. Uh, that's uh, it was your professional quarterback. No one should be too fast. No, Dell's not even that fast anymore, as fast as he used to be. Anyway, definitely lost a step since then. Uh, I don't know if you saw this, but Kareem Hunt's dad now joins the ranks of uh, <laughs> Brown's fathers of criticizing Baker Mayfield joining Odell Beckham Sr. Uh, and, and criticizing Baker for his ability to throw the ball and his timing and accuracy issues. And look, the elephant in the room is that Baker's playing with a huge shoulder issue on his opposite shoulder. You see the brace every time he plays. He's wincing every time he gets hit. If you're that hurt, just don't play. I can't stress that enough. Like, I understand you're tough and you're trying to play through it. But at some point, just let Case Keenum play. Is he really better than Case Keenum at this point? I don't really think that he is. He can hand the ball off to Kareem Hunt and Nick Chubb, and the Browns would probably be better than having Baker out there overthrow guys for three hours. I would just be much more interested in the Browns if Keenum played the quarterback for them for the rest of the season. Yeah, to, to me, if I'm the Browns, I, I have to take a look at what what's the rest of my season going to look like? Are we a playoff team in the AFC? I, I don't know, you know, because you got a bunch of teams grouped in there. The Broncos are starting to separate themselves a little bit. Kind of. It's weird, Randy. We kind of buried the Broncos middle of the season. We, we were really high on them to begin the year, buried them in the middle of the year. But yet here they are starting to separate themselves, um, starting to put a little pressure on those Chiefs. But, you know, the Rams and this, I mean, even the Steelers aren't that good, but the Bengals. Bengals are in the mix of things here. Um, you know, AFC, yeah, AFC South, you know, the, the Titans are going to be hurt and uh, that team does not look good. So right now, if, if you're looking at the Browns, the Steelers, I don't know, you, you still got to be pretty impressed with the Chiefs, Raiders and Chargers and um, Broncos out in the West. The Titans, Colts, I think are better than what people give them credit for. So the Browns may not even make the playoffs. I, I think the Steelers are going to be out too, but the Browns to me, yeah, 2022 is coming awfully quick. 
Yeah, the Browns six and six now. Uh, the Ravens are eight and three, so it's going to be hard for them to miss the playoffs at this point. But the Browns certainly feel like they're going to be a team looking at on the outside, wishing they were in the NFC because I feel like the NFC is a little bit easier to make the playoffs uh, in the back end. Uh, the AFC is very crowded, so we'll see how that shakes out. But all right, well, that's a plenty on this game. I think we talked way too, way too long on these two games that have been bad. Now let's talk about games that were even worse. Let's go all the way back to Thanksgiving. Uh, these are also our prime times. So we normally just talk about Thursday night football, but, you know, Matt, we just got blessed with three just wonderful <laughs> Thanksgiving Day games. Really, one of them was pretty good, despite the refs' best attempt to spoil it for us. Yeah. Um, but let's start with Sunday night football, which was a shellacking by the Buffalo Bills who get back on track uh, after losing at home to the Colts. They go into New Orleans and win that game. I believe it. Let me find the total here. 31 to six uh, over the New Orleans. This is the game I didn't get to watch. I had to work the next morning. So I kind of went, took a snuzz before I went to bed after eating all that turkey. I had a great day. I just said, you know what? I, I Josh Allen's going to take care of Trevor Simeon and he did. So the Bills are seven and four now, and the Saints are five and six. Still in the mix in the NFC uh, wild card situation there, but the Bills, they needed this one the worst way possible. Uh, did you watch a lot of this game? I actually thought Josh Allen looked solid, other than the two brutal interceptions that he threw, one of them being just unacceptable for someone who was supposed to be a perennial MVP candidate. Yeah, I mean, Josh Allen, to me, all years looked off. You know, for a lot of people hyping him up against good competition, he's really struggled. Um, you, you expect more out of him, less mistakes. He, he throws those interceptions, and it just really hurts the you know the defense and even the offense quite a bit um to me the saints it, it's time to bury 2021 for them i don't think they're making any noise in the playoffs i don't think they're making the playoffs in the nfc i, I just think there's too many other teams in front of them the quarterback situation is highly unsettled they haven't been healthy pretty much the entire season it's been a battle to get every starter onto the field whether it's covid or some other injury or illness it's really been hampering their ability to go out there and perform to their maximum capacity. So this Bills team was really able just, I mean, they just overmatched them. You know, let's just face it. Um, being able to line up and just beat them on pure talent says all you need to know about this game. Uh, the Bills handled their business. I don't think the game was terribly exciting. You just never believed in the Saints at, at any point. So to me, it's a good win for the Bills because they need the win, seven and four. Patriots are now eight and four, so they got to keep track with those guys. So it's going to be an interesting race. And I'm just curious because a lot of those Josh Allen for MVP uh, calls have been falling pretty silent lately. Have you noticed that, Randy? I did. I have noticed that. It's interesting. Um, I think they'll be coming back if he can have a performance on Monday Night Football against the Patriots next week, uh, which we'll talk about in just a little bit. Uh, look, the Bills defense is the number one defense in the NFL, or number two. I'm not sure what the update was after that Colts game, but uh, they were shutting out the Saints through three quarters. Well, without Michael Thomas, without Alvin Kamara, they didn't have uh, Melvin Gordon in this game, or uh, Melvin Ingram, or Mark Ingram, sorry, that they, in this game. So, look, they with Trevor Simeon, with not a ton of weapons around, this is what you have to do uh, from your defense. This is the kind of performance you're looking for. And the Bills dominated on that side of the ball. Just they gave up a garbage time touchdown to let the six uh, come out. Not all great for the Bills, though. I don't know if you saw this, but Tredavious White, all pro corner yeah. for the Bills, tore his ACL in the second half of this game. That is a devastating loss for them. He is uh, one of the best corners in the league, and I'm interested to see how they backfill that or if they can backfill that. I mean, corners are not just readily available uh, to step up, and that could be a huge loss for their defense going forward. Yeah, I, you can't replace an all-pro corner of that capability. Tredavious White's excellent. 
Yeah. Really a shutdown corner, and that, that's going to hurt the Bills. But going forward, you know, they got to keep on winning games, somehow keeping pace with the Patriots. But I, I, th- I think we can put um, dirt on that Josh Allen MVP 2021 season now. Uh, hey, I don't know if there's a clear. I, I think there's a clear candidate. Uh, and I think his name's Aaron Rodgers, but uh, that's just me. I, you, you know, you, you take away the the vaccine status and all that other stuff. I, I just think that the Packers are clearly more affected by him not playing than any other team missing any of their players. So uh, that's the clear indication of a uh, MVP for me. All right, the entertaining game on on uh, Thursday on Turkey Day uh, would be the Raiders going into Dallas at the Jarrow World and upsetting the Dallas Cowboys. Like, you got to, like, as a, as a Giants fan, someone who really hates the Cowboys, I truly enjoy when I get to watch them lose on any holiday. Whether I bet on them or not is besides the point. Uh, <laughs> I will certainly take them losing over me winning about any day of the week. Mm-hmm. And Derek Carr came in and the, and the rest of the Raiders came in and they punched them right in the mouth and said, hey, our season's on the line. Everyone just written us, wrote, had, had written us off. Uh, let's show that we're still here to stay. Um, the Raiders win 36 to 33. This is an entertaining game besides the 28 penalty flags thrown uh, by Ed Hockley's son. Uh, I think it's Sean Hockley. Oh, yep. Uh, I mean, the, I have never seen a game where these freaking zebras were more camera hungry in my life than these guys. I mean, ticky tack fouls every single play you're looking for. And if you can't even really know if that play's going to stand, holy hell, there's penalties galore. But I'm very impressed by what I saw from the Raiders. Derek Carr uh, played uh, really well. The Raiders ran the ball very well, 35 carries for 143 yards as a team. And uh, Deshaun Jackson really set the tone here uh, with a 56-yard touchdown in the first quarter, which all of a sudden Deshaun Jackson is relevant again (laughs) and torturing the Cowboys. So uh, so I want to know some of your takeaways from this game. To me, this is a huge letdown for Dallas and Dak Prescott. I know you didn't have your top two weapons, but I expected more from you. Yeah, to, to me, this is just I, – I go back to the refs. And anytime you play, you know, I, I think any sport. We could talk about baseball, basketball, or football. When the refs take away the ability to play the game and the ability to get into a rhythm, it, it's it, it's frustrating because you want to be able to establish some type of rhythm in the game, some game flow. It felt like the game was so choppy. It's nice that, you know, the game went into overtime, but the game didn't feel – all that entertaining because of the mass amount of penalties. And let's face it. I mean, refs could call 28 penalties a game. Every Sunday you could watch a game and you might spot penalties that could add up to 28 in total. It's not that far fetched. It's the discretion in which you use them. Like I've never seen Randy in my life. So many backside holding calls, so many calls that were inconsequential to the play. And last year and the years before that, those calls were not being made. You know, that they would just let them go. You know, passing plays, you'd get those sometimes. But backside holding, yeah, you know, let the guys play. Maybe, a, you know, the um, the, the chop blocks are, are the cut blocks inside the tackle box. It's just completely – they don't know how to interpret that rule. The taunting rule is just completely asinine. Like, right. at least they're calling that someone correct, somewhat correctly by the rule of it but it doesn't dismiss the fact that it's a dumbass rule. I, I don't think, I, I don't get the point of it. You, you're trying to turn football into baseball, like baseball. Okay. You know, you don't get all that amped dump on, unless it's big moments football, every play, it's a physically violent thing and you get amped up that adrenaline is pumping. And then you want to control players emotions. So I get 
some of it, but it's just fucking ridiculous at this point. I'm sick of it. And I'm tired of old white men trying to establish how young, black, Hispanic, white, whatever race or decree that these players are, how they should regulate their emotions after making a big play. They need to step the fuck out. After that... Blame John Mara for that one, by the way. Yes, that asshole. Um, <laughs> n- never deserves to win another Super Bowl ever again. Probably but, won't. <laughs> <laughs> hopefully not. So to your point, though, I didn't play at a higher level at football, and I and nearly even to what you you played too. I played varsity football in high school. I don't think people understand if you never played what it's like to play a game where if you have a ball, everyone's just looking to rip your head off. And if you make a big play in that moment and you uh, move another man against their will, it's emotional. <laughs> you get you fired up. Like it just, you're not a robot. It's impossible to be a robot in that situation. It is so much human physicality and emotion comes out of you. Uh, if you're lucky enough to make a play, you don't get hurt and you're healthy enough to get up. Like it's a, it's a big deal. I don't know. I, I just feel like people don't understand when the ball's in your hands and everyone's coming at you and trying to just knock you over it's it's a, it's a freaking violent game. You know, there is a real biological aspect to this. Um, I, I'm not sure what chemical gets released into your brain, maybe serotonin or something like that. Yeah. Uh, but it, it, it affects your ability to regulate your emotions. Like you get super excited. I mean, shit, when, when I was playing and I had a couple of sacks and I had a touchdown in my career, man, I was I was jacked up. I, I was fired up i said some things on the field that you wouldn't say to your worst enemy and i'm not going to repeat them on a podcast because they're totally inappropriate but man you you can't control stuff like that because it's in the moment it builds up it's like an unleashing of the entire week like you have to regulate all this stuff on monday through friday because you know we played on saturdays or in high school you know Sunday through, you know, Thursday until you get to Friday evening and you get to play on Friday evening, all, all that stuff, all that anger, everything just builds up and then it crescendos into a Friday night or a Saturday. So now we have referees like in this game, trying to regulate that emotion and they've been trying to regulate it all year and you cannot do it. It makes the game less appealing. I agree that you shouldn't get in someone's face and talk shit. Um, you know, yeah. yeah, yeah. Like you can clearly see when someone's visibly, visibly disrespecting somebody, but w- w- when you make a play like Cassius Mars, man, I, I remember I made a sack, like I did the double barrel guns to the uh, opposing <laughs> team sidelines. <laughs> I had like four <laughs> players on the opposing team. all give me the birds. And man, I tell you what, you, you know what happens? You pay for it because that team comes, gets you on the next play or on another play. You know, it's like they regulate themselves. You may take a cheap shot. I Man, it's part yeah. of the game. This game, Dallas, Las Vegas, it, it just really took away from the entertaining aspect of it. And this is my biggest problem with refs and umps and basketball refs. Let the game develop a flow and be consistent. Like, d- d- don't start calling penalties on the fourth quarter, like what the NFL did to the Chiefs last year. You know, when you start letting a team develop a play, you know, a style of play where, you know, Brashad Breland and um, I forget the other corner for the Chiefs last year, but they were very grabby all year. They would grab and, you know, kind of hold a little bit, but they weren't calling it. All of a sudden they get to the playoffs and especially the Super Bowl flag, 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 flag. You know, you, you have to have the level of consistency. You can't force these guys to change at the last game of the year. And, and this was just, 
totally inept calling. Dallas didn't play well. And like you said, Cooper being out and um, C.D. Lamb being out hurt a lot. But guess what? Las Vegas doesn't want to hear it. You know, they're missing a bunch of guys, too. Yeah. They're like, and Darren, Darren Waller got at, lost, uh, lost Darren Waller in the first half of this game. So Yeah, so, so Raiders saying tough shit, Cowboys, deal with it. But to me, the, the, the penalties took away from this game. It, it could have been a really great game, but I found it hard to watch with the penalties. 100%. I think I, I scored one touchdown in my, my whole entire career. And let me tell you, the things I did in that moment, I don't even really remember. I think I pulled out a DX uh, suck it chop out of nowhere there. And uh, it was mainly aimed at the other uh, players on my team that were annoying me at the time, like uh, my quarterback who couldn't throw me the ball. But nonetheless, like the emotion that comes out, it's just, it's hard to do. And that's why I don't care when players bat flip in baseball. Like literally it's so hard to hit a baseball. Like if I ever hit a ball that far, I percent i'm throwing the bat and going i'm the fucking man like next time don't doubt me like i i would say things i would never be able to repeat if i did something like that and these guys do it all the time so you know i just a very old men that are stuck in their ways uh, unaccepting of how difficult these things are so yeah uh yeah i agree no flow to this game but overall the most entertaining of the three games on this one it comes down to a daniel carlson field goal in overtime and he was money he was five for five from uh for field goals in this game and then he hits the game winner in overtime uh i think dallas needs to reevaluate they play thursday which we'll talk about in a second but uh they're lucky that the eagles did not win on sunday is all i'm gonna say we yep. uh, we're going to move on to your game on Thanksgiving here, man. But I know you're very much looking forward to this talk. We're both wrong on this one. We really felt like the Lions were going to come out and get their first one of the season, but not not on Andy Dalton's watch, not <laughs> not on the Red Rifles watch. Because if you thought for on, on your Thanksgiving before you ate dinner that Andy Dalton wasn't going to throw for 300 yards and beat the Detroit Lions, you had another thing coming. Andy Dalton was 24 of 39 for 317 yards and a touchdown, outdueling Jared Goff, who honestly probably played maybe a little bit better than Andy Dalton did. No, I'm kidding. Uh, but these losses to DeAndre Swift early on in the game clearly impacted the Lions. They just don't have any weapons, and Jared Goff just stinks. So Andy Dalton, by default, a little bit better than Jared Goff, and the Bears get a 16 to 14 win. Matt Nagy lives to play another day. Yeah, this game, what I'll remember about this game, Randy is that the Detroit Lions had two third and 32s <laughs> on, on two separate possessions. Oh, sweet Jesus. That, the, the ineptitude, and, you know, we talked about Dallas, you know, the backside holding calls. The Detroit Lions were holding right where the play was going. And it's just like, <laughs> Jesus Christ, it was brutal. Offsides, penalties, and Detroit didn't have a lot of penalties. They were, like, right in the middle of the pack as far as penalties. I think the Lions committed like 14 or 15 penalties this game. Just really absurd. I mean, when you match that with how bad they are and the fact that they only lost this game by two points, holy hell, man, the Bears suck. I mean, Andy Dalton should have thrown four picks this game. I I watched it. I was like, yeah, it should have been an interception. 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 Uh, thank God Detroit can't catch. They can't catch on offense and they can't catch on defense. So thank God for that. Um, just really, I don't know. Bears ended the game on an eight minute drive, kicked a field goal to win it. This game made me more upset that they won than if they would have lost. I almost prefer they would have lost because it would have felt like Nagy would have got fired. I you're guess in my, you're in my territory now, Matt. <laughs> yeah. I mean, 
it was just like, what are we doing? Why are we doing this? Don't win, damn it. And then, of course, you get the people like, oh, Andy Dalton's the Bears quarterback. Andy Dalton's the guy. If you think Andy Dalton's the quarterback, I have a pile of horse shit in my backyard that I'm going to be selling you because obviously you have no idea what an NFL quarterback looks like because that shit ain't it. Like it, it was bad football, <laughs> bad football all around. Detroit can't play defense. Andy Dalton just thrown to random guys. Here's the thing. I figured out Andy Dalton between the twenties is okay. Between the twenties is fine. He just loves throwing to the other team when you're in the red zone, man, he will pick a Detroit line and try to get him to catch the football so bad. We saw it with the Rams. We saw it against the Bengals and we saw it again against the Lions. This dude sucks. He sucks. I don't need to see any more of them. I don't want to see any more of them. Hope to God Justin Fields gets back. If Justin Fields would have played this game, I don't know if the Bears win or lose. I don't think it matters, but at least you got Justin Fields to watch. Yeah, I mean, I think the bright spots in this game offensively for the Bears would be Mooney. Uh, I think we, you know, I, he was one of my sleepers coming into the fantasy season. He had five for 123. Uh, it's kind of, you know, the kind of stat line you're looking for for a guy like that who can really take the roof off of the place. Uh, and then Cole Komet, I actually thought had a nice game here. He had eight for 65 and seemed to be Dalton's security uh, blanket on third down. Uh, he had 11 targets in this game. So Cole Komet looking like a nice little tight end there for the Bears as well. Um, so <laughs> there's, there's an uh, exciting comments section today. We have yeah, so, it's, it's wild. wild. It's, it's wild in there. So, uh, your bears and my giants, both four and seven now on the season. And, Oof. um, you're, you're feeling how I feel every time the giants win a game. I'm just like, can you just lose so we can get rid of Dave Gellman? And then I'm all back in. You can win as many games as you want after that. But until that happens, I don't I don't trust any wins, uh, meaning any other changes are happening. So You, you, you know what's going to happen? If the Bears win this Sunday, I'm going to drive over to Corey Decker's house and just kick him square in the nuts. And I, <laughs> Only because he's a Cardinals fan. Don't let the Bears beat you. For the love of God, you got one job. Beat the living shit out of them. Beat them so bad that every Chicago Bear fan and every Chicago Bear player and ownership and GM and coach are so embarrassed, everyone gets fired on Monday. Don't let the Bears beat you. <laughs> it'd, be, it'd be hilarious the first time you and Corey Decker meet is that you walk over, knock on the door, and just kick them square in the nuts. <laughs> that would be uh, one of the more, <laughs> oh man, I don't even know what to say. The, the more interesting uh, life group meetups that we've had. <laughs> Me and Vince shared Mr. Goodbars in our first meeting, and Matt just kicks Corey square in the freaking nets. That would be awesome. I wouldn't do that to Corey. I like Corey way too much. But, man, if the Bears beat the Cardinals, I'm going to be fucking livid. Well, we're going to talk about that because now it's time for a week 13 preview. So those are all the primetime games. Those are all the national televised games. I think oh. the NFL had a little bit of a rough week with those this week. Uh, and honestly, it's not the greatest slate of games in general. Um, but, oh. you know, I think this think week 13 looks a little bit more promising. So we're going to talk about that now. Uh, look, when you don't have the Cardinals or the Chiefs to look full back on, uh, both of those teams are on by. This is what happens. So, yep. Uh, all right. Let's start off with Thursday night football. This is the slate the Cowboys always get after Thanksgiving. Uh, they always get the Thursday night football afterwards, and they go to New Orleans to play the Saints. Um, and obviously, we talked about both of these teams already in their previous performance. So this matchup as a head-to-head, -head, uh, I don't know the status of C.D. Lamb at the moment. I don't know the status of Amari Cooper at the moment. Out. He's out. What I do know is that um, Ezekiel Elliott looks slow. Uh, he looks like the second-best running back on 
the Cowboys. And Tony Pollard just looks so much better. He has such a better burst. He had that kick return for a touchdown. I just think Tony Pollard helps the Cowboys offense so much more than Zeke does at the moment. Would not shock me if they reduced Zeke's role a little bit here in the offense, which, as I just said, I think helps uh, uh, helps Dak, and I think it'll help the offense in general. And uh, it should be noted that they don't have Mike McCarthy in this game. He tested positive for COVID-19. So uh, that, to me, is an addition by subtraction because Mike McCarthy kind of sticks. So I don't know if it's going to be the DC or Kellen Moore um, running the running the show here, um, but nonetheless, I like the Cowboys in this spot. This is a game that I feel like they need to get right with. The Saints feel like a sinking ship. I feel like they've been good enough at being competitive so far at this point in the season, but I think their season now uh, is coming to an end. So, what do you think? Yeah, I'm taking Dallas this game, and I don't like it because um, Amari Cooper is still showing COVID symptoms. So I think he's already been ruled out. Because I, th- I think you need um, unvaccinated. I think you need three days before the game time to show no symptoms. So um, I heard Cooper's out. So that's not good for the Dallas Cowboys. They uh, Jerry Jones came out and said that uh, Zeke was going to carry a big load this week. So take that with your sophomore oh. humor as you will. Well. <laughs> yeah. Well. Um, yeah. Well. Yeah, and then um, he also said, by the way, that the Cowboys are basically 100 percent vaccinated between everyone who is vaccinated <laughs> and everyone who's got COVID. So I feel like that's not how it works, but nonetheless, uh, Jerry Jones is uh, trying to spin it one way or another. <laughs> <laughs> oh Jesus! Yep, 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 yep. So yeah, with Jerry Jones, uh, you know, <laughs> he probably released COVID in the locker room. Like, if you're not going to get vaccinated, you're going to get COVID. Um, but no, Jerry can say whatever he wants to say. It's meaningless. Dan Quinn's going to be the head coach this game. It, it's logical. He's been a head coach before. He knows the podium shit. He, he knows all the coach speak, so he'll be up there. I think it would be an interesting spot for Kellen Moore, though. Yeah. One of the hotter names to be a head coach coming up, I, you know, there's going to be some interesting positions opening up for head coaching positions. And Kellen Moore's name is going to get thrown out quite a bit. Remember when the Cowboys had Jason Garrett as the OC and the Ravens wanted to hire him as the head coach, but Jerry Jones made him the highest paid offensive coordinator by a mile. I mean, it wasn't small to stay in Dallas and then eventually take over the head coaching job. I believe when Bill Parcells left. Yes. So or, or someone else after Parcells, not hundred yeah. percent sure. Yeah. So I, I could see Kellen Moore getting a pretty nice deal to remain in Dallas to be, you know, succeeding Mike McCarthy. Cause let's face it, Mike McCarthy's days are numbered in Dallas. That's not who they want. I don't know why they're waiting on Kellen Moore. It might be this year. They tell Mike McCarthy to get the hell out. Who knows? But to me, Dallas wins this game just because the Saints are so bad. They don't even know who their starting quarterback is. It was supposed to be Taysom Hill, but apparently he's got some sort of foot ailment. So Taysom Hill may not even be starting. It may be Trevor Simeon again. The, the Saints are all sorts of screwed up. Give me Dallas 24, the Saints 17. Yeah, uh, I do think that this is a game that the uh... – the Cowboys have to win here. I was trying to look up the Cowboys head coach thing, but my browsers are being stupid. Um, yeah, uh, give me Cowboys. I'm going to say 28 to New Orleans, uh, 16. I like that. Uh, I think New Orleans, New Orleans is nothing for me anymore. Nothing. Uh, all right. 
Let's move on to Sunday, the early games. We're going to start right off with my Giants, so Vince Mercadetti can just turn us off and continue with his workout. Uh, they <laughs> go to the Dolphins. We have breaking news in this episode, um, according to – I'm not even sure who reported it, but Vince earlier in the comments that Daniel Jones is now questionable for this game. I believe it's a neck ailment. Let me just check my updates. It's a neck strain. Um, he tweaked his neck, and NFL Network reported that. Um, so I don't know if that's a good or bad thing. Giants offense – um, can fire Jason Garrett, but nothing changed. Uh, they they had four turnovers on defense. It scored 13 points. Um, the offense was still pathetic. They had all these reports saying they're going to get Kenny Galladay involved. I believe he still only had three targets. Um, the Giants are a mess offensively. Saquon Barkley is slow, and when the uh, when the line does create holes, he cannot find them. He had, he had eight carries for 40 yards, and one of those carries went for 32. So that tells you everything you need to know about Saquon Barkley. So uh, I think Dave Gettleman is still uh, just watching that 30 two yard run over and over again trying to justify <laughs> taking him number two overall having a wet the defense dream. for the giants deserves all the credit patrick graham has continued to deserve all the credit for the giants um they have been unbelievable they've had a um a turnover every game this season i believe i think it's the stat um, this is without a pass rush, really. They, they, they really don't rush the passer very well. Um, this is all secondary. This is Xavier McKinney being so much better than Jabril Peppers that when Peppers goes down, the Giants defense just takes it to another <laughs> level, securing the fact that Peppers just sucks ass, like I've been saying the entire time. Uh, this is probably the best game James Bradbury has had all season. He blanketed Devontae Smith for the entire game. Um, you know, you love to see that. And I just think overall they, they made life a little difficult for Hurts, despite the Eagles running the ball for 200 yards. So I think, honestly, if the, the Eagles committed to running the ball every play, like Army style, <laughs> they would have won this game. Really, where they killed them is that it hurts through uh, three picks. And then Boston Scott, who has the worst name ever for someone who hates Boston sports teams and plays for Philadelphia, oh, owns God. the Giants, actually gave the ball up uh, at the end of the game, uh, you know, giving the Giants a real chance to win. And this game came down to essentially um, hurts throwing the ball to Jalen Rager, who uh, if he catches the ball, they win the game. Essentially, that's all it comes down to. He's at the goal line, catches it. The game's over with. Um, he drops it, and then the game is over with. So um, I think if you're an Eagles fan, you're kind of kicking yourself because you know who they you – know, the next pick after Jalen Rager was, right? Oh, God. Um, go ahead and tell me. I, I think I know, but I don't. Justin Jefferson. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> they could have taken Justin Jefferson uh, at 22, I think the pick was, and instead they took Rager. Yeah. And then the very next pick was Jefferson, and he's been unbelievable for the Vikings. And you'd have to say with Jefferson and Smith, they had to have a great one-two punch uh, along with Dallas Goddard. But, uh, you know, they're kind of stuck with what they have for now. Uh, and it's by far the worst game Hurts has played in his career. I think the Giants defense had a lot to do with that. Uh, Patrick Graham remains uh, the Giants' bright spot throughout all of this season. I would, he didn't really want to leave the Giants last year. I think he pretty much said he, he, inter- he was about to interview for a job. He said, no, I would be surprised this year if he does not. Uh, now the Giants travel to Miami to play the Dolphins this week. Uh, the Dolphins have won three in a row now. Tua Tagovailoa looking pretty good here the last few weeks, getting Jalen Waddle involved, the first rounder who finally looks like a first rounder. And I love the touchdown dance. If you haven't seen the Jalen Waddle touchdown dance, it's like a little <laughs> penguin waddle. It's just perfect. I love it. Um, and the Dolphins defense is similar to the Giants defense because Brian Flores and Patrick Graham, I think are very similar coaches. So they're secondary heavy, don't have a great pass rush, but overall they're very well coached on that side of the ball. So I think these are two similar teams, but the Dolphins a little bit hotter, especially if Jones is out. Uh, I like the Dolphins more in this spot than originally than I would have expected to if Jones was healthy. Yeah, I, 
I, I'm taking the Dolphins here. I think the Dolphins are starting to figure it out who they are, and they st- they're, they're starting to believe in Tua more. And Tua's starting to show. Like now, it's three weeks in a row where I'm feeling pretty damn good about Tua. Mm-hmm. So I'm gonna ride with the Dolphins here. I like it. The Giants. That Eagles game was. You know, I, I said I was going to drive over to Corey's house and kick him in the nuts. That's what watching that Giants-Eagles game was like. It just felt like repeatedly getting kicked in your nutsack, watching these two inept offenses just keep on fucking things up. Like, you, you know, they say a blind squirrel has to find a nut every once in a while, right? You know, they're not that stupid, but the Giants and Eagles, that offensive display, if it wasn't for the Ravens and the Browns, this would have been one of the worst offensive displays in football. Um, just a terrible performance, and I didn't like either one of these games. But the Dolphins are starting to show me something. I like it. I think they play smart football. I, I don't trust the Giants offensively. It, I, I don't know if Daniel Jones being out and having Jake Fromm play is going to be better. And I know well, it would be. <laughs> It would be Mike Lennon. Oh, well, oh the giraffe. Mike Lennon, yes. Yes, the giraffe. At least yeah. he can see over everything. You Correct. know, it's, it's like having a quarterback playing from the skybox. He's going to see everything. Um, but he's also going to throw it to the other team three times. So go ahead and give me the Dolphins. I'm going to take the Dolphins 27 to the New York football Giants 13. Well, before... I make my prediction. I just want to give a special shout out to Michael Strahan. He got his number retired uh, finally at halftime of this game for the Giants. Um, I miss Michael Strahan so much being on the Giants. I just to have a dominant pass rusher every year was so something we totally took for granted. And honestly, after he left, we still had Justin Tuck. We saw Osi Minora. Then they drafted Jason Pierre-Paul. The Giants used to have pass rushers. They had more pass rushers they know what to do with. Now they don't have any. But Strahan really set the, the standard for that. And um, he's the second greatest Giant ever, the best one I've ever seen with my two eyes. So shout out to Mike Strahan on that. I'm glad they got the win for him. I'm glad number 92 will never be worn again. I don't know what took forever. It should have happened 12 years ago. But nonetheless, Mike Strahan certainly deserving of that honor. With that Absolutely. said, Vince Mercadetti and I, before the season started, we did our preview for the NFC East. I, we both were like, I don't think the Dolphins have ever beaten the Giants. I, I, I think the Giants, they, they've played each other six times <laughs> um, that in the last 10 years or whatever it was that I can remember. I don't think the Dolphins have ever won a single one of those games. Yeah. Um, I think that's going to change. I think the Dolphins are playing much better than the Giants are, especially if Daniel Jones isn't going to play. I think there's a huge drop-off between Jones and Glennon. Um, as much as I don't like Daniel Jones, he's much more mobile. I think he's able to at least run around if something terrible were to happen uh, where Mike Glennon might just die. So uh, <laughs> I like the Dolphins here. I think it'll be defensive-minded. Uh, I just think it'll be a low-scoring game. I like both of these defenses and really don't like either of the offenses all that much. Give me the Dolphins – 14 to the Giants, nine. Let me ask you this. During Strahan's retirement ceremony, did they play uh, Rocket Man? <laughs> you know, I wouldn't know because Fox decided not to put it on TV. <laughs> I don't understand why. It's their own star employee. He worked the pregame show for the game, drove to MetLife Stadium, <laughs> went to the halftime ceremony. They didn't think it was important enough to show. And then he did the after show as well. And they all are like, oh, congratulations. But they didn't decide showing it in the moment was worth it. So I honestly have no idea. Uh, yeah, a missed opportunity. Could have had but, Elton John there. 
I don't think so. I have heard nothing about Elton John. But the Giants PA guy did play It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia after the game. So I thought that was a nice troll job uh, by the Giants, Uh, which doesn't usually happen. The Giants are usually good at many things. All right, moving on to the next early game here. And it is the Tampa Bay Bucks coming off of a huge comeback win in Indianapolis. That was (laughs) probably the game of the day. Um, The Leonard Fournette's four touchdowns uh, helped the Bucks win over the Colts. And now they go to Atlanta to play the Falcons, who uh, just quietly dominated the Jacksonville Jaguars, which I guess you deserve a pat on the back for that. But hey, the Falcons are very relevant in the NFC wildcard picture here. And the Bucs uh, look like they're poised for a playoff push as well. I think we've talked about it. The Bucs are the team we probably trust the most in the NFC. And honestly, I don't trust the Falcons for anything. So uh, I like the Bucs big in this game. And, uh, you know, I, I don't know what to make of the Falcons if they're ready to actually compete with a real, uh, you know, contender here. You know, Brady typically has like, you know, I, I think seven or eight, four touchdown passes, you know, one those games a year, you know. So I, I think he's a little short on that. So I, I think he's going to get it. Uh, I'm going to say Brady goes for about 350, five touchdowns. Um, I, I really don't know what to say. I mean, the Falcons game sucked. I mean, we talked about it. Th- th- that game was just putrid. So I, I think Tampa Bay comes back from, obviously, th- this was the game I circled on my calendar for Sunday, Randy. This is the one I did make sure I watched. And, man, I was not disappointed. Um, a lot of people jumping on Frank Reich's case for throwing the ball as much as he did. I, I think he threw, like, 27 straight passes at one point. But if you saw the Bucks defense, man, th- they were not going to let Jonathan Taylor beat them. <laughs> they just said, nope, not happening today. So I get the logic. Carson Wentz is a different story, but, and and we can get to that because he threw two bad interceptions that, you know, really didn't help the Colts offense at all. But I think the one was a little on Pittman though. I I think the Pittman really kind of gave up on one of those plays. I mean, I, I don't disagree, but then you have to wonder where the ball was supposed to be at. Yeah. Um, obviously it might've been miscommunication. So, I mean, I could take that into account. But at at the end of the day, the Bucs do what they need to do. It's kind of like a wake-up call. This team was not very good on the road. They won a big road game. Um, One of the bigger road games, I think. It's not easy going into Indianapolis and winning. So this shows me something. And you know what? This Falcons game, they're going to roll them. I'm going to take the Bucs 42 to the Falcons 6. Jesus Christ. Yeah. To six. <laughs> oh, yeah. I, wow. it, 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 I, what are the Falcons going to do? They're going to try to run the football with Cordell, Cordell Patterson, who's been a fantasy god this year. He's been That's, unbelievable this season. Fantastic. Well, wait, who do you used to play for last year? Hmm. Oh, that's right. The Bears. Stupid ass Bears. <laughs> so um, I just think the, the Bucks are going to be able to stop them because they're that good. Todd Bowles is a great defensive coordinator. I don't care how scorned Jets fans are about it. You know, at, at least with the Jets, they were respectable defensively. Now they're just, I mean, they're disrespectful to football entirely. But with that being said, the, the Bucks are good all, all the way around. I don't think the Falcons, the Falcons are going to have an issue if they can't get Patterson involved. And I think the Bucks more so than a lot of teams. I think like a Bill Belichick team also, they're going to take away the best player they have. And once they take away Patterson, the Falcons have not a damn thing. Well, Kyle Pitts maybe has a nice day. 
Uh, who knows? Uh, Calvin Ridley status to him still remains unknown for the, the Falcons. Yeah, I mean, these are two teams. And I mean, the, look, the Falcons are five and six and are, uh, I think, right in that in the, in the hunt graphic, which I think they put everyone in basically, uh, unless you're the Lions. Um, sorry, Leon, but uh, <laughs> the, the, the Falcons are pretty relevant. And I think their schedule is easy enough that they have a real shot at that seventh seed, but they're going to be a quick out because they're not going to be a team that competes with one of these. Um, <clears throat> real contenders. So I agree. They played earlier this season and the Bucks, I think doubled them up. I think they won that game like 48 to 24. Um, so I'm going to go them also in this game. I'm going to say 42 to 17 over the Falcons. Uh, also getting Vita Vea back was huge for them last week. Is uh, He had a real impact on Jonathan Taylor. I thought. Yep. So. Yep. All right. Big impact on Cordero Patterson. <laughs> well, he's a he's a stud. He's an all pro, Cordero um, <laughs> Patterson. Anyway, um, now we're moving on to the Chargers traveling to Ohio. Unfortunately for them, they have to go from SoFi to South Southern Ohio. That really sucks for them to play the Bengals, who are all of a sudden surging here. Uh, just a quick recap on both of these teams: um, the Bengals just absolutely dominated their division rival Steelers on Sunday, which hand up. I thought the Steelers were going to be able to find a way to win that game. They lose forty. 41- one to 10 and Mixon, Joe Mixon ran for a career high 165 yards in that game. Boy, oh boy, the Steelers are a mess. The Bengals seven and four now in the AFC, which is not uh, anything to sneeze at. And I, and I think they have a real shot to win this one as well. And the Chargers went into Denver and laid an egg against the Broncos, both those teams, six and five. And the Chargers also, I feel like should be so much better than six and five. And they just continue to find ways to lose games. And I feel like they're going to lose this one as well. I just like Cincy at home in this spot more than I trust the Chargers at the moment. What do you think? You know, I, I feel like we've been doing chalk all games. And, you know, we just can't have that. Um, I do like the Bengals a lot, but I think one of those things with these teams that are starting to win after long periods of losing is you kind of have a letdown game. I, I, I like Brandon Staley a lot. I, I think he's a good coach. We don't know if he's a good, a good head coach. We know he's a really good coordinator. We know that with the Rams, he was excellent. I don't know if it's going to be the same um, as a head coach, but what I do think is going to happen this game, I do think the Chargers are going to get right. It's a long road trip, but sometimes when you're losing, Randy, it's good to get further away from home and kind of take a deep breath and not have to deal with all the pressure of performing at home. Um, you know, you're kind of away from everything, not a whole lot of distractions. You can really focus. So a good way to end a losing streak is actually to play on the road. So that's why I like the Chargers here. I, I think the Chargers are going to play good football. I think this is going to be a great game. I really do. Um, if, if you get this game, you should be in for a treat. I'm, but I'm going to take the Chargers. I'm going to take the Chargers 27 to 26. I think it's going to be really close. I mean, this is as good of a young quarterback matchup as we're going to get. I would sign both of these guys to lifetime contracts if I could. I mean, I love Burrow. I love Herbert. I mean, the problem I'm having with Herbert is that he throws brutal interceptions sometimes. And I think the one that was a pick six bounced off Eckler's hands. Uh, I don't think it was the greatest throw ever, but I think Eckler would probably blame himself for that one. Um, and I think that it really hurt them in this game. I thought, you know, Patrick Sertan played really well and obviously had those two interceptions. Yeah. Um, but, like, I just think the Chargers' defense really can't stop very many people. I mean, they really let the, the Broncos kind of run all over them. Uh, and the Bengals are – I mean, look at the talent the Bengals have on offense. It is pretty potent with 
that they have. And I mean, we're criticizing them for not taking a tackle, but with, with Chase and T Higgins and Tyler Boyd, CJ Uzoma, and then Joe Mixon, I mean, they have talent all over the field on offense. They are very difficult to stop. And I think the chargers are going to find themselves in that position as well. Uh, Give me the Bengals in this game. I agree. I think it's going to be one of the better games of the day, but I like the Bengals 30 to 27 over the chargers at home. All right. All right. Let's move on now to a, a matchup in your division, Matt Bushnell, and NFC North <laughs> showdown between Kirk Cousins and the winless Lions. Uh, we talked about the Lions already, but let's touch on what the Vikings did. Um, the Vikings traveled to Henry's San Francisco or Santa Clara 49ers, whatever you want to call them. Uh, and, you know, they lost 34 to 26 uh, in a game where they probably should have uh, had a much better chance to win this game. But it's going to come down to me where, where Kirk Cousins is calling an audible late in the game. And he goes up instead of taking a shotgun snap, goes to take a snap under center, but then lines up under the right guard. I thought this was a trick play. <laughs> it turns out this was just a mistake on Kirk Cousins' part. Yikes. Uh, but that, <laughs> that is a brutal mistake by Kirk Cousins. It's something he's going to get made fun of for, for a long time. So the Vikings are five and six now. They need a win to remain in this NFC wildcard picture. The Lions, oh, 10 and one. Hey, they're not out of the, they're not eliminated yet, but it feels like they are going to be after this one. I have no choice but to like the Vikings here, uh, especially Swift looks like he's out. I mean, Let's take a quick look at the 49ers, you know, Debo Samuel, who's just an absolute all around Swiss army knife for the 49ers, one of the better players in the NFL. And then George Kittle, um, you know, another really, really great player. And then then we take a look at, you know, the other parts of the team where, you know, they they can do different things. Mitchell played a good game last week. Um, And then also the offensive line is one of the better offensive lines in the NFL. The defense with Joey Bosa is really good, Fred Warner. So we kind of know what the 49ers have. So we saw what the Vikings went up against. And now we take a look at Detroit. Crickets. They don't have anybody. (laughs) They don't have anyone with any near of those abilities that the 49ers have. And we're expecting them, you know, our, if, if anyone expects them to go and beat Minnesota, that's not happening. It's, it's just not. I, I mean, weird things happen in the NFL, right? But <laughs> if the Bears went in there with the red rifle <laughs> and still beat them, I can't imagine the Vikings losing this game. Give me the Vikings 27 to the Lions 14. This was one of the heart, more heartbreaking losses for the Lions already this season uh, in Minnesota. They had tied the game late, uh, and then <laughs> the, they gave up just two big throws to Kirk Cousins, and then Joseph hit the game winner as time expired. So I think that's about as close as the Lions are going to get to a win other than their tie. Um, so I like the Vikings in this spot as well. Their offense too potent. Uh, like you said, the Lions don't pose the quite the threat that the 49ers do. The Niners are playing well right now. Uh, so yeah, give me the Vikings. Uh, give me them 24 to 10 over the Detroit Lions. <laughs> All right. Yeah. If you have, a, if you're still alive in a survivor pool, I guess the Vikings would be an interesting play here. Uh, I have been eliminated. Thanks to the jets uh, beating the Bengals about a month ago. So. J-E-T-S, jets, jets, jets. 
Yeah, yeah, I really appreciate that. All right, well, now we move on to those damn Jets. Uh, they are hosting the Philadelphia Eagles, who came off of that loss to the Giants. They now get to go to MetLife Stadium again, back-to-back weeks in New Jersey for the Eagles. So that is unfortunate for other reasons as well. But this time, it's gang green, and the Jets are coming off of a win. This is the second time this season the Giants and Jets have fallen in the same week. Someone stopped the presses. The Jets beat the Texans 21-14. to uh, with Zach Wilson's return, who uh, he's not really the reason uh, why they won, but nonetheless, they beat the Texans. Uh, Jets are now three to eight on the season. Texans fall to two and nine. And look, I think, it, it, unfortunately for the Jets, they cannot turn this into a uh, Cardinal situation because there's no Kyler Murray just sitting there waiting to be taken. You know, uh, when the Cards took Josh Rosen, they were able to move on so quickly because of that situation. There's no quarterback in the draft that's like a must-have, oh. so they can move on from Wilson. But they need to <laughs> do something about this Zach Wilson experience because if there's a difficult throw, he's pretty good at that. Like he he'll take a lot of chances. He's got a great arm strength, very live arm. But man, if he's getting blitzed and he needs to throw a screen pass or he needs to dump the ball off to a running back, he's just incapable of doing it. It's it's so crazy. I've I've never seen a quarterback <laughs> struggle with simple things so much in my life. And he threw a brutal interception, which I'm surprised he even counted because he threw it beyond the line of scrimmage but he almost looked like he tried to pitch it and then it bounced off the guy's hands into a defender um but nonetheless the Jets win 21 to 14 over the Texans and now they get the Eagles uh I think the Eagles I look I, I've said it before the Eagles have a wonderful slate of games for them in this back stretch of the season to really make a playoff push of their own losing to the Giants is not ideal uh, I think the Giants defense might offer a little bit more resistance than the Jets I like the Eagles just by a little bit in this game over the Jets so I'm kind of torn with this because I, you know, first of all, I want to talk about, you know, the Texans game. I'm, I'm happy for Robert Sala because a lot of people were giving him a lot of shit as a head coach saying he's overmatched. He doesn't know what he's doing, all this stuff. He, he's a first time head coach. There's bumps in the road. He's going to figure this thing out. But what he is good at is being a leader. You know, he, he knows how to coach defense. And I think he really connects with the players on a good, on a deep level, which is important. So to me, I take a look at the roster then, and this roster is just littered with garbage. Um, and, and really, it's Joe Douglas. And this is kind of the, the thing that always happens to some coaches that you feel are good. They get paired with a GM that may not be there for the long haul. And now when you fire the GM, he, the new GM is going to get stuck with this head coach that he may not want much like what we're going to see with the Giants. Cause I think David Gettleman's all but gone. So what happens with Joe judge? You know, I, I think a lot of Giants fans wouldn't care if he's gone, but with that being said, you know, is he going to get the most fairest of evaluations when a new GM comes in there? I don't think he will. And, and that's just the business. And I think, you know, if anyone needs to be held accountable for this Jets debacle, it's Joe Douglas because yeah. there's too many drafts, too many picks. Michael Carter looks like he can play, but the, yeah. but the, the, the Zach Wilson thing, and we just go back to this. You, you see flashes from guys. Um, to Trevor Lawrence, there are some flashes, but I think we all understand this Urban Meyer thing in Jacksonville is just. It's a tough pill, man. It's hard to watch because you know he's so much better than this, but that offense has no clue what the fuck they want to be. Um, then we take a look at Trey Lance, who's not even going to play. He, basically, he's done for the year. Kyle Shanahan basically came out today, Henry, 
and said that, you know, um, the rhythm of the offense and the play calling needs to remain consistent so they can't put in Trey Lance. So as far as I'm concerned, that's a wasted pick. Then you go to the last two quarterbacks drafted after those guys, Justin Fields, you see flashes quite a bit from Justin Fields that this guy is just a big play waiting to happen. And he's just oozes potential. And then you see Mac Jones, just consistent, like a surgeon within 10 yards. He's not flashy, but what, like what you talked about was Zach Wilson struggles with Mac Jones is perfect. at perfect touch passes knows exactly when to put touch on it. All, all this stuff that you want. And, and Mac Jones played at a high level. Justin Fields played at a high level. Trevor Lawrence was never in play for the Jets. But the fact that Justin Fields and Mac Jones got passed up when they were playing at the highest level in the highest stakes of all goes to show you, take all those attributes, take all those combine shit, all this stuff. Because Joe Burrow played for the Marbles. He was in the college football playoff. I believe Herbert was in the college football playoff or close. He played in really big games. So all these things, you know, accumulate into you, you have to be able to play the game when the game is being played. And Zach Wilson has not shown the ability to do that. You got to be able to hit those passes. I watched the play tight end. You know, the, the window was small, but it was an easy pass with touch. You know, you just lead him to the sideline. You let him drag his feet. Wilson throws it in there like a missile for no reason and bounces right off the tight end's hands out of bounds. So they end up punting every fucking, you know, anywhere between zero and 15 yards. Zach Wilson just feels the need to show off his arm strength. It's football stupid. And you don't win with guys like that. Those quarterbacks are the ones that are out of the league quickly because they don't freaking get it. And, and it's a shame. And the Jets made a dumbass pick because I take a look at it. I, I didn't like Justin Fields coming out of the draft, and that's fine. You know, I didn't like Mac Jones coming out of the draft. But at, at some point, we need to come to the realization the guys with a lot of games played, Joe Burrow played in big games. Um, I'm trying to think of other high round picks. You know, Trevor Lawrence played a boatload of games. Deshaun Watson, Patrick Mahomes, all these guys have a large body of work. Mitch Trubisky only played 13 games. Um, you know, Sam Darnold played a lot of games, but the Jets were never able to develop and they weren't able to get a system around them. But quarterbacks that only play a handful of games and Zach Wilson playing against lesser competition, I hate it. I'm worried about Trey Lance in this regard. I, I just don't get it. The, the Jets fucked it up that they they really did so that they have to be beyond out. the beyond the quarterback issues because i totally agree with you he, he he's gonna make just fans good nuts the next few years uh they did they do have some keepers from this draft uh i think elijah barrett tucker their other first round pick is a real stud on the on the front line uh, i love michael carter at running back and then elijah moore uh really looks like a number one receiver for them so those three look like real blue chippers um for the jets um you don't have the quarterback at least i don't think you have the quarterback i, I don't know how you can still have any really faith in him at the moment you obviously if you're a jets fan you want to believe that he'll pan out but um the other three i really do think you should be happy about but um anyway Eagles going into MetLife. I think they win this game. Yeah. Uh, give it, give me them 21 to 17 over the Jets. Yeah, I, I think the Eagles are going to run the shit out of the football. So um, 
I, I like the Eagles 24 to the Jets 13. All right. <clears throat> Let's move on now. Uh, early slate continues here where we have the Colts. And it is an AFC South matchup here of all of the ages. The Colts traveling to Houston to play the Texans. And the Colts uh, still in that AFC wild card uh, push here. They obviously lost that game to the Bucks, So now they are, are sitting at six and six. And then the Texans uh, falling to the Jets, as we just spoke about, uh, they're now two and nine. So this this is a game that the Colts pretty much have to have if they, they want to take themselves seriously and want to make a playoff push. The Texans, I don't know what to make of the Texans because they go in and beat the Titans uh, last week. That was a huge win for them. And then they fall to the Jets. So uh, we kind of know who the Texans are. They're going to be a team with a top five pick with in a quarterback hell because they don't really know what the deal is with Sean Watson. And then the Colts, uh, I, I mean, they, they really played well for a lot of that game against the Bucks and then the turnovers and uh, Leonard Fournette happened and they ended up blowing that game. I still love Frank Reich as head coach. Uh, I still think the Colts are very uh, talented overall. So I, I like the Colts. I kind of like them big in this game, but I don't know if I trust it fully, but I do expect them to take care of business here. I, I think it's a very pissed off Colts team on how they lost. I think it's going to be a lot of, a lot of Jonathan Taylor, so I'm going to take the Colts 37 to the Texans 10. Damn, that's a, that's a big score there. Give me the Colts uh, 27 to the Texans 9. Look at that. A game we don't need to talk a lot about. Boom. Moved on already. Look at this. We can be efficient. Uh, Ricky asks what our head-to-head record on picks is this year. And if anyone's keeping track of that, God bless you, because I have no idea. <laughs> I, I'm pretty sure it's close to 500. My guess as well, yeah. <laughs> Maybe that should be something we do keep track of, but yeah, uh, you know, we have lives and stuff too. So, uh, anyway, I don't want to embarrass you, Matt, because if it comes out that I'm dominating you, it's just gonna be a bad look for you. Yeah, <laughs> now the moment we've all been waiting for here the final early game on the slate it is the oh. Matt Bushnell Bowl, the his Arizona Cardinals, the state <laughs> he lives in, which it gets the team that he loves so very much, the Chicago Bears. Uh, and this is also the return of Kyler Murray. And I know Corey Decker is very excited for this, he's missed weeks now. Um, so now the Cardinals, uh, what, eight and two, or I believe that's what the record is. Yeah. Uh, look, they are uh, as good as any team in the a- NFC. I think they were the last remaining undefeated team. They, uh, I don't, this is the crazy thing. We talk about teams we trust the most. We never mentioned the Cardinals. Uh, my biggest issue has always been Cliff Kingsbury, maybe a little bit of the health of Kyler Murray mixed in there as well. But the uh, Cardinals can really earn my trust a little bit. They come into Chicago probably a cold early December day and just dominate a bad bears team. Like don't mess around, take care of business, just win this game, put up 30 plus and hold the bears to less than, you know, 15 points and just establish yourself as, Hey, stop disrespecting us on the audible. And then sure enough, I'll come out here next Tuesday and give you all the credit you deserve. I I like the Cardinals a lot. I think part of my concern is, you know, when teams in warm weather have to go play in miserable weather and by all accounts, it's going to be miserable in Chicago. Um, I'll have to check the weather report there. I, I I don't know. It depends on who plays. I don't know if Justin Fields has been cleared to play. I know he had, you know, a, a minor crack in his ribs and that generally heals pretty quickly. If you have to get an MRI to find a cracked rib or two, um, it doesn't feel good but it should generally heal pretty quickly. I don't know if the bears rush them out there against, 
this Cardinals team, especially when they got the Packers and Vikings coming up. So this is a pretty brutal stretch for the Bears. Um, you know, three playoff teams back to back to back. I can't really see Andy Dalton beating this team. I can't see Justin Fields beating this team. And with how stupid this team is coached, I, I mean, Matt Nagy's an idiot. Um, I do believe he's lost the locker room. You know, players can come out and say all they want that he hasn't. The reports about him being fired, Bulls fans at Bulls games chanting Nagy, you know, fire Nagy. At some point, that noise is just suffocating. Uh, I guarantee you're going to hear it at the game tomorrow or the game on Sunday. So I think what we're going to see is I think the Cardinals are going to dominate. I, I really do. And it's going to get ugly and the Bears fans are going to turn on them. So my official prediction for Bears versus Cardinals is Cardinals 37. I'm going to go Cardinals 38, Bears 17. Read my mind on the score there. I was totally going to go 38. <laughs> uh, yeah, give me the Cardinals. I'm not going to go 38 because you have it. Uh, but I'll go Cardinals 41 to the Bears 13 is what I'll say. Uh, if Andy Dalton's playing quarterback, I just can't imagine he does very much. Uh, and the Cards are coming off of a bye. I think the only aspect of this that could get really ugly for like get kind of confusing for the Cardinals is that if it's cold, can they prove that they can play in this sort of inclement weather? That's really what I'm looking for here because in the case in the playoffs. If they have to go to Green Bay, uh, that's going to be a real challenge for them. And I think this could be, of course, sort of, uh, you know, uh, not really reenact a playoff scenario because the team isn't as good, but at least the weather will be similar in that aspect. So, yeah. but, um, but, but, but if they went out, everyone has to go to Arizona. So, correct. So that could be totally something you don't have to worry about at all. Yep. Um, all right. That's the late game. That's the early games. Let's go to the late games. This is the four o'clock starts uh, in, the, in the East Coast. Uh, whatever time it starts for you, I still don't understand daylight saving time. Whatever. Uh, <laughs> this is the first game here. The Washington football team traveling to play the Las Vegas Raiders. And this game all of a sudden is pretty interesting. Uh, both of these teams at, at five and six, I believe. Um, this ended up being a pretty big game for both. Um, yep, the Raiders are six and five actually, and the Washington football team is five and six so um big game for both of these teams uh the Raiders playoff hopes still uh hanging in the balance and Washington looking to insert themselves into the mix as well um uh, I don't know if, if Heineke mania can really keep up with the with the car show there uh in Vegas in the big Roomba so I I, I want to pick Washington but I just don't know if they have what it takes to go into Vegas and, and stop that high-powered Vegas offense you know you're gonna notice the trend this show Randy the AFC West is going to sweep through this week. So give me the Raiders. I think they're a better football team. I, I just think they're better. Washington, I don't buy a lot of stock into. I think Deshaun Jackson's got some big plays in him. So I like Revenge the Raiders. What's that? Revenge game for him. Yeah. Oh, yeah. God, man. Uh, he's been on like, so for like many... six teams. They're all revenge games. <laughs> right. Um, I'm trying to think of the baseball player that played on like 13 teams and I can't, it was a pitcher, but um, oh, that's, th th that's going to be Deshaun Jackson. He's going to play on every team before he retires. Um, give me the Raiders here. I, I, I think it'll be an interesting game. I don't think either of these teams are particularly really good, but I think the Raiders are better, you know, kind of a fringy playoff team. I don't believe in the Washington football team at all. So Raiders 23 to the Washington football team's 21. You know, Leon just made a really good point in the comments saying without Waller, it could impact the Raiders. And I, I kind of, 
I do want to believe that, but at the same time, they really didn't seem to miss much against the Cowboys. Maybe that says a lot more about the Cowboys. Maybe Washington's defense is a little bit better than Dallas's at the moment. Uh, the Raiders offensively, I just like Derek Carr a ton, and I like the way they run the ball. Um, I think it's good enough to beat Washington, but it would not shock me if Washington won this game. I'm, I feel like I'm trying to talk myself into Washington, but I can't do it. <laughs> um, give me the Raiders. 20 to 17, but it would not shock me one bit if, if Washington won this game. And I'm just the, the Heineke mania will just continue to run wild throughout the NFL <laughs> if, if he somehow pulls out this game. So, um, yeah. Anyway, well, let's move on. This uh, this game is the stinker of the day. Uh, it is the Jacksonville Jaguars traveling to Los Angeles to play the Rams. Um, the Rams are in a three-game skid now. They've lost three straight since acquiring Von Miller and two since acquiring Odell Beckham Jr. Um, they now get the Jags and Urban Meyer to SoFi Stadium. And if they lose this game, it's over to forget about it. <laughs> it's, it's a sinking ship. And Stafford experiment has been a failure and everything else. You can blame Odell for everything at that point. You lose the Jags. I'm, I'm all for it. It's all, it's all everyone's fault at that point. Um, but, yeah, give me the Rams by three touchdowns in this one. Yeah, I don't think it's going to be particularly close. I think what the Rams do well is that they can establish the type of game they want to play against bad teams. Look, Stafford doesn't beat good teams. It just is what it is. I think he's 9-70 and 70 all time um, when playing teams that have a better record than his team. So it, it, it's just a hard pill to swallow when you take a look at all of this with Stafford. Um for, for the longest, I always thought Stafford would always give you opportunities to beat him, and he does. And against the Packers, he should have thrown God knows how many interceptions. I mean, he threw the pick six. Um, another interception that should have been a pick six just went right off the DB's hands. I think it was Darnell Savage. Um, it, just a really awfully played game by Stafford last week. Um, and, you know, we have Leon saying Stafford is definitely hurt, and Stafford's been hurt his entire career. There were some concerning reports about that too going into Sunday about his back and, and neck. Then why is he playing? You know, it's just like it goes back to all of this. You you have an older quarterback, I believe 32 or 33, and he has all these injuries. They said it's an elbow, a back, a neck, and an ankle. You know, at, at what point are you hurting the team? And I go back and to this with Rams. Baker. That's what we talked about with Baker. Yeah, like, why? To me, like, the Cardinals did right. And I'm glad Ricky brought this up. Well, he said, should I play Stafford or Murray coming back this week? Play Murray. Not a question in my mind. Murray's going to light up Chicago. Um, But the Cardinals sat Murray for even an extra week. They're like, we got a bye week coming up. Murray could have played, but they're like, no, he's more important to us long term. And they're able to win games. This Rams team needs to get Stafford healthy if that's the case. You got to stop playing them. Don't play them against the Jags. The Jags should be a team that you're able to beat with your roster. You can't tell me a defense with Von Miller, Aaron Donald, Jalen Ramsey, Leonard Floyd, um, God, the safety. I forget the safety's name. But they have enough to win this game defensively against Urban Meyer's jacked-up offense. I, I – the Rams are going to win this game, but I don't think it's going to be a blow up by any means. I think it's going to be a lot closer than what people may get it. So much so, I would take the Jags to cover. And wow. I, I, I'm, I'm going to pick 
The Rams 22 to the Jags 19. Let me just look up the spread quick. I, it's so, got to be seven. Uh, well, okay, let's see. My guess is that it's definitely seven. It's 12 and a half. So. Yeah, Jags are covering. I'm not going to go that far. Uh, I think the Rams are in desperate need of a get-right game to sort of restore the faith in them uh, as contenders in the NFC. Um, I get, I'll say 31 to 10 over Jacksonville. I, I just I haven't seen enough from Lawrence. Uh, I really don't think it's his fault. I think it's more on Urban Meyer. But um, the Jags are a bit of a mess, and uh, they lost. I mean, they they only lost by a touchdown to the Falcons, but that game wasn't really even that close. So um, give me the the Rams pick. All right, moving on now to a old school AFC North rivalry that feels like it is closing in on an era. Um, it's the Ravens who we've talked about traveling to play the Steelers and boy, oh boy, the Steelers, God, they are just, they feel like such toast. Uh, Big Ben is, it's just hard to watch these days. Um, the Steelers, as bad as they have been offensively, the defense has been worse, uh, which, you know, when you have a team with TJ Watt and a bunch of other guys, uh, you're, it's surprising to hear. Um, one thing that's not talked about, Devin Bush has been one of the worst first-round picks taken in recent memory. He is just not a good middle linebacker. Every time there's a big play against the defense, they go right at him. He misses tackles constantly. He doesn't really offer a ton, and he wears Joey Porter's number, wears a lot, <laughs> wears a number of the legendary Steelers players of past, and it really drives Pittsburgh fans nuts. So, uh, you know, Big Ben's time is coming to an end. I'm interested to see what they do at quarterback beyond this year. I think Mike Tomlin stays. I think they're going to give him enough of a, of a leash here. It's probably the first time they're going to finish under 500 in his era, but we'll see. Um, I like the Ravens here by default. I just think they're a better team. They have a better quarterback. Um, better. I mean, the coaching is pretty even, but I just I, I know the Ravens are 83 for a reason. I just think they're better, and uh, I expect them to win this one too. I, I, I think this is set up for Lamar to have a bounce-back game. I, I think Lamar Jackson has a really big game. Um, and he, he can beat this team with his legs. And I believe TJ Watt still, I'm not sure if he was out with COVID or what's going on, but I know he was out this past week. I don't expect him. Uh, he, he may not play this week. I don't know. It depends. I'm not sure if he's vaccinated or not. And that's kind of where we're at with the NFL, where you don't know if players are vaccinated or not until they get COVID. Then you find out. Um, but to me, even with TJ Watt, Lamar Jackson's too dynamic. I, I really like the Ravens here. I don't think the Steelers offense is good enough to beat good defenses. And I'm just going to go ahead and I'm going to say, I think the Ravens beat them 31 to 14. Wow. Wow. I mean, these games are always pretty classic. I feel like, I don't feel like there's ever really a blowout. I feel like they're always close. This is a, is, is a as far as like the last 10 years, probably one of the better rivalries in the sport. I would say it's, it, they've had some classic games. Um, so I think it's going to be a close one, but I do like the Ravens. I'm going to say 21 uh, to 17. They're going to win over the Steelers. Yep. All right. Well, now we have another NFC West uh, divisional showdown. This time it is the San Francisco 49ers traveling to Seattle to play the Seahawks. The reeling Seahawks, who we've already spoke about, um, and the Niners, who we haven't really touched on, but they got a big win over the Vikings. Uh, they're back to their run in the football and playing good football overall defensively. Uh, feels like a good time for them to get the Seahawks, but 
Debo Samuel looks like he's hurt. Uh, Henry in the comments has inexplicably called uh, Debo Samuel an MVP candidate, which is just nonsense. <laughs> um, probably at the Niners MVP. I can accept that argument. Uh, absolutely. Um, which if they're going to miss him, then I think this is a much better chance for uh, them, for the Seahawks to remain relevant in this game. And I feel like Russ, if he's going to show that he has anything left, maybe torturing the Niners one last time is going to get the job done. So no Debo uh, here makes me like the Seattle Seahawks a little bit more, Matt. What do you think? Nope. Um, nope. nope. <laughs> Debo or without Debo, I don't think it matters. I, I like the 49ers here. I think with Kittle and Mitchell and what they could do with the running game and playing defense, I think Seattle's just a shell of what they are. They couldn't beat a bad Washington team. And now we're expecting them to go and, you know, to play San Francisco in that type of matchup where I think phys- physically San Francisco is just so much more physical than a lot of other teams in the NFL. It's a bad prescription for the Seattle Seahawks. I- I'm going to take the Niners. I know, uh, you know, you kind of scoff at Debo. I- I'm kind of coming around on the Debo stuff. Here. I think he's a good football player. I don't think he's the MVP of the league. I- I'm not trying to <laughs> scoff at it. But I mean, I, I just, you know, that's all. I mean, it's hard when you start talking about MVP because it really has come around to like a quarterback award. I know a lot of us, you know, me, I wanted Jonathan Taylor. I thought, if, and I still, I'm not selling on Jonathan Taylor yet. I think Jonathan Taylor's got an outside shot at this thing um, with his ability to run the football. But a lot of people do state that, you know, it's a quarterback award now because a lot of quarterbacks win it year in and year out. But, you know, Debo, I I don't think he should be left out of the conversation. I I think he has a place in this convo. And when you you take a look at the things that he can do on the field, it causes problems. You know, Debo gets first downs. He's able to run and catch touchdowns. And I think that's kind of what hurts kind of his value and his perception in the league. You know, it's kind of that old saying, you know, a jack of all trades and a master of none. Um, I, I think that kind of depresses his real value. So to me, I would is he personally just a rich man to Tavon Austin. Is that that's kind of what he feels like to me? I think he's a rich man's Cordell or Cordell Patterson. Cordell, okay. Yeah, I, I I think he's I I think he's better at doing that than anybody else in the league at, at what he does. Does that equal MVP status? I mean, you take a look at total yards. I mean, you really have to go into the stats. Does he have an impact on wins and losses? Well, you can probably credit him with the with beating the Bears. I, I think that's fair. Without Debo, they probably lose against the Bears. Uh, without Debo, they probably lose to the Vikings. So, you know, we kind we'll of find out to- this week, won't we? Yeah, I, I I think we will. I think the 49ers can win this game, though. And, you know, the, the issue is with quarterbacks being so important, it's hard to imagine a player being more valuable than a quarterback. You know, like what happens if you take Brady off the Bucks? We, we, we already know, right? We saw Jameis Winston lead the league in interceptions. Um, it was a hell of a year. Fun to watch. Yeah. Um, but you know, you take a lot of these guys off their teams that are really good quarterbacks and it hurts them. So he's in the, yeah, I was going to say he's in the conversation. I would not give him the award. 
I just feel like he's not even the most valuable player on his own offense. I feel like George Kittle is really the driver of all things of the 49ers. I know his stats aren't great offensively, but the way he blocks his presence as a whole opens up so many more things for the running game and for Samuel himself. So uh, I'm a big Kittle guy. I've always been a big Kittle guy. And Henry's not going to like this one, but I watched Odell Beckham Jr. carry the awful Giants offense in the playoffs in 2016. And I was laughed at for saying he should have been an MVP candidate. So if he's not considered to be an MVP candidate in 2016, I'm absolutely not considering a, a little bit of a, a gadget player on, on the 49ers to be an MVP candidate I, I, either. So yeah. uh, that's what I have to say about that. As far as this game goes. Uh, I, I, don't call him a gadget player because he's not a gadget player. He's, he runs the ball more than he catches the ball, it seems like. It's just, well, it's, I, I mean, though, is that a gadget, though? I, I mean, I they don't. use him in that way, so. Okay. I, 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 like, I don't think it's a bad thing. I don't think he's a playmaker. I, I, mean, I don't think that's a bad thing, ultimately. Oh, okay. I mean, I, I, I will respectfully disagree. All right, well, we're going to disagree on this game as well, so let's predict it. Yeah. Um, we, I'm going to say this. If, if, if Debo is the MVP that Henry says he is, he should have, his absence should have an impact. Give me the Seahawks in this game. Give me 24-17 to 17 over the Niners. Yeah, I, I think it's going to be a little bit lower scoring than that. I, I'm going to take the 49ers 20 to the Seahawks 7. Oof. All right. Uh, let's move on to primetime uh, prime now. And you said the AFC West was going to sweep this week. I don't know how that's possible because they're playing each other. Oh, uh, shit. <laughs> you got me. You got me in a gotcha. pickle. <laughs> gotcha. It is the Denver Broncos traveling to Kansas City to play the Chiefs. Uh, and the Chiefs coming off of a bye. The Broncos coming off that big win uh, over the Chargers. And what is the Broncos record now? Because like you said, we were kind of all in. We wrote them off. And now they're 6-5 and five, right in the thick of it here in the AFC wildcard picture. So the Broncos very relevant. And the Chiefs coming off a couple wins before their bye week here. The Chiefs' defense really carrying them uh, in that aspect, not even the offense. So we'll see if that can continue. Maybe they can figure something out on offense here. I like the I Chiefs mainly because they're home uh, and because of the, so to me they're still the Chiefs, and I expect them to figure it out and be there in the AFC in the end. Uh, I, don't, I don't see a scenario where Teddy Bridgewater can go into Kansas City and beat them right now. Yeah, Kyle Long just got activated off the pup list. Um, so he's joining the 53-man roster which means he's likely to play at right guard again. So the offensive line is getting close to 100%. You know, the Broncos are interesting. I, I, Patrick Sertain has been really good. Like for those who are sleeping on Pat Sertain, um, you may need to stop because he's starting to put together a really good rookie campaign um, as a shutdown corner. I, I love Pat Sertain. Um, two interceptions last week, last week in a pick six. So that was pretty impressive. Um, but Here's where it just gets really strange for me. I agree with you. I don't think that Teddy Bridgewater can go into Kansas City and beat Kansas City. I don't think that's something that he's capable of doing. And I, I feel against the Chiefs, you have to make some explosive plays. And I, I, I take a look at Cornson. I take a look at Tim Patrick. And, you know, there's Drew Locke, who's got the big arm, but Vic Fangio hates him. And, you know... I, it was a big win against the Chargers. I just have a feeling I, I got to go Chiefs here right now. I'm going to take the Chiefs 20, 24 to the Broncos yeah, 16. 
I just I'm waiting for the Chiefs offense to show me that they're still the Chiefs. And we haven't seen it since early on in this season. And I think Denver's defense is playing well enough where I don't think it's going to happen here. I do think that they can be in the 20s. Uh, I don't, I, I'll say 27 to, to 20 over Denver in a, in a nice competitive game here. Um, but, yeah, I just – Denver's a little bit too limited for me in my liking here. Uh, at some point, Casey's going to have to take off, and I think it starts now. Well, they better. All on. right. Well, you're paying Pat Mahomes a ton of money. Let's Let's figure this out here. Yeah, right. Now, Monday Night Football, it's not often that I think the game of the week happens on Monday Night Football, but I think this is a rare instance that it's happening. Um, And and this is crazy for Bills fans that this is even a thing, but uh, (laughs) they get to go to Highmark Stadium in Buffalo and host a Monday Night Football game. That's also probably the best matchup of the entire week. Um, They welcome in their hated rival, the New England Patriots, who have been playing better than them, have won uh, six games in a row now, are the tops of the AFC East over them. Um, this I, I love this matchup because I don't know what to expect. Two good coaches, two really good defenses. I think the top two defenses in the sport. Um, and I just the, the pass are playing extremely well, and the Bills absolutely I feel like want to make a statement here at home. But I'm just so excited to watch this game. I, I feel like Monday nights I can just kind of throw away for the most part, depending on the matchup. This one I'm all in. Is the Manning cast back? Because they weren't on last night. I'm not sure. I, I, I'm unsure of the Manning cast schedule. You know, that, that's so annoying about it because, you know, you kind of want some consistency with that because they are really good and it's fun to watch them. Um, you know, and being, I don't want to say I was forced to listen to Lewis Riddick, Brian Greasy, and oh, um, uh, yeah. the, the other guy, but it, it just, it, it's not the same. I, I like Lewis Riddick. I think Lewis Riddick is wildly entertaining. Steve Brian, Levy is the best part to me, and he, he left him out there. So. Yeah, Steve, yeah Steve, I, I do like Steve Levy. Maybe it's Brian Greasy's fault, but yeah, I don't love Lewis Riddick, but I, I get it. See, he's fine sometimes. Yeah, I, I think Lewis Rick's a better studio analyst than he is, you know, Monday Night Football in the booth guy. But to me, um, this is such a huge game for Josh Allen, and I, I think this is what Bill does better than any coach in the NFL. He, he, he's not going to let the game get out of control. Let's just get to that right, right now. That Patriots defense is too good to let this turnover prone Josh Allen, um, you know, get away from them. I think Mac Jones, it's going to have to be kept in check. I, I don't see how you can let Mac Jones throw further than 10 yards. Um it's just, it gets way too dicey. He becomes way too inaccurate and the ball really gets put in harm's way. We saw that with the Atlanta game, which was absolutely brutal to watch. So I'm going to take the Patriots here. You know, I just think the Patriots are just, it's hard for me to pick a coach when it comes to teams like this, when it comes to defenses one and two, and you're telling me, one of the best defensive coaches, the best head coach that ever lived, that's ever breathing in the NFL, is going <laughs> against Josh Allen. I, I, I'm just, I'm picking Bill Belichick here. I, I hate it because I got to hear Henry talk about the Bills going or the, um, <laughs> um what call? I got to hear, you know, Patriots going to the Super Bowl and all that shit. <sighs> but um, so. I, 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 I'm, I'm going with the Patriots here, Randy. I hate it. Give me the Patriots 17 to 13. Oh, wow. That would be a, a stinker, I think. <laughs> but this, hey, both these defenses are very good. And uh, I do expect it to be 
a, a defensive showdown. Uh, but I, I also like their offenses a little bit here. Here's what I expect. I expect Bill to target the replacement for Travis White. Uh, that's just what he does. He finds your weaknesses and he targets it. So I could see the Patriots coming out and throwing the ball, especially in that direction, because that is clearly the spot in the defense where you could take advantage right now. Yeah. I don't think the guy who the backup is and the name's escaping me is anywhere near close to the level Travis White was. Obviously, he'll probably get extra safety help over the top. But I expect that the Bills are going to try to sh- shut down the running game, which obviously you're supposed to, you, you should want to do with the Patriots. That's the bread and butter. Um, so I think the Patriots are going to throw. Now, if that's going to, if that works, it's going to be a long day for the Bills. But I think that means they're more susceptible to mistakes. Um, Mac Jones is capable of throwing uh, interceptions. Yep. I think these two teams are pretty close to one another. I, I, I think they're both very good teams. I feel like I have to give the advantage to Buffalo at home. That Bills crowd is insane. I have never seen the Saints home field be taken over by anyone, really. And then on Thursday night, Bills fans totally all over the place in that dome, making a ton of noise for the Bills. I think, if anything, that could rattle Mac Jones a little bit. I think it could really inspire the Bills. And look, Josh Allen is football stupid. But sometimes you need a bit of a rain man to go in there. Maybe he's just dumb enough where he can make a couple plays to beat the Pats. Now, I, I think it's totally possible Josh Allen throws five picks and totally looks bad in this game as well. Don't get me wrong. But I expect these teams to split, and I expect them to split their home games. So give me the Bills. I'm going to say they win 21-20 to 20 over the Patriots. And we get each get it, we get a defensive score on, on both teams. I think J.C. Jackson gets a pick six, and I think Jordan Poyer gets a pick six. That's my prediction. Like, and if you haven't seen the Patriots defense, watch Matt Judon. He's easy to see because he's got the big red sleeves on, number nine. Yeah. He's been unbelievable for them. And then J.C. Jackson, number 27, has been <laughs> so good all season long. Absolutely awesome. So I cannot wait for this game. going to be awesome. I really hope it is the banding cast, but at the same time with the big games, I like the traditional broadcast as well. So, uh, yeah, I think uh, I think we only disagreed on three games and then, uh, <laughs> here in uh, Monday Night Football being the one. So – uh, bye weeks, Matt. Before we move on, uh, Browns, Packers, Titans, and Panthers all on a bye, so none of those teams are playing this week. And uh, in the comments, I've noticed this earlier, and I got an update a little while ago. Daniel Jones has been ruled out for yep. the Giants. He's week to week, and Mike Lennon will be starting for the Giants. Hey, so good. Put me out of my misery a little sooner. Lose to the Dolphins. Enough of this four game winning streak nonsense. Fire Dave. Hey, if they fire Dave Gettleman before I go to the game on the 19th, boy, I will just be thrilled. because <laughs> That'll make me so much happier. And I'll go and actually get to be a fan instead of hating everything that they do. So, all right, Matt, before we say goodbye, there's some college football news we wanted to talk about. And we never touch on college on the show, really. But boy, oh boy, some college coaches are on the move on some big contracts. First, Lincoln Riley leaving Oklahoma for your University of Southern California Trojans. He's taking a job at USC, uh, and and Oklahoma fans are not happy about it. And then Brian Kelly, this one hurts me because my family is Notre Dame fans, but he leaves Notre Dame and the Fighting Irish for LSU. He's going to um, Baton Rouge to now be the next coach of Louisiana uh, after uh, Ed Orgeron has gotten the boot. So these are massive moves, both 10-year deals, both around $100 million dollars, Holy moly, Batman. These are massive deals. Matt, take it away. Yeah, real quick, Randy. I I just got this notification. The new college football playoff rankings are out. So if anybody's interested, 
number one, Georgia. I think we all knew that. You called yep. it, Randy. Pre-show, number two, Michigan. Yep. Number three, Alabama. Number four, Cincinnati. And realistically, That's right to me. Yep. Re- realistically, five and six, we're looking at Oklahoma State and Notre Dame. How crazy would it be? Notre Dame makes the college football playoff and Brian Kelly's not there to coach them. I think they're done. I'd rather have Oklahoma State in it. Yep. Yep. Me too. So with that, let's go over Lincoln Riley. I think it's big news, baby. Big news. Finally, offensive ingenuity. We haven't seen offense at the University of Southern California like the likes of what Lincoln Riley's going to bring since the early 2000s of Matt Leiner, Reggie Bush, Mike Williams, Lendale White, all of this. This is exciting times, Randy. And I'll tell you what, the Trojans paid Lincoln Riley 10 years, $110 million. They paid for, they bought both of his houses for uh, 500,000 over asking price. And then not only that, they bought him a house in LA for $6 million which um, our good friend Brian Horsewood said that is a three-bedroom, two-bath, 1,600-square-foot home <laughs> in L.A. So <laughs> that was funny. Um, so, so then they also have given Lincoln Riley and his family permission to use the jet, the private jet, whenever he and his family may want. So he has full use of a private jet. He never has to fly commercial ever again. So good for Lincoln Riley. Good for USC. Way to get it done, boys. That's how you play big boy football. And for anyone doubting that USC was going to do something huge, college sports is littered with cash. You know, there is no poor big programs. Like the big programs are flush with catch. Like LSU getting Brian Kelly. I think it's a great move for LSU. And I think it's a great move for Brian Kelly. The, the academic restrictions are going to be a lot lower. He gets to recruit guys. I mean, Louisiana, Texas, Florida, Georgia, littered with all world talent. So he, he's going to have his pick of players there. I, I think it's a great move for him. So LSU did really good. USC did really good. I think both programs are going to get back to where they belong sooner rather than later. Um, I will say I do think USC is the better job for a couple of reasons. One, you're not playing in the meat grinder in the SEC. Like that is going to be brutal. And we know that Oklahoma and Texas are both moving to the SEC, which basically means rest in peace, Big 12. You're done. No one cares about you. So that's going to be interesting. And a lot of people are alluding to USC getting Lincoln Riley because Oklahoma was going to go to the SEC and Lincoln Riley didn't want to deal with that. Neither here nor there. Don't really care. But um, USC got their man, and that's all that matters. I think Brian Kelly is a pretty good head coach. I think he's a decent recruiter. I think he's hamstrung at at Notre Dame due to the academic – uh, re- restraints that he has like all the players at Notre Dame have to have like four O's to play like that's very hard to do when you when you're recruiting guys who aren't the best students who might not be the smartest guys that are great athletes you're going to lose to other programs 
I think this elevates Brian Kelly to a level that we haven't seen because LSU doesn't have those same academic standards. Uh, and now LSU will probably be back to that power that we're used to seeing them be. Um, Notre Dame, I have no idea the route they go to fill their hole. Um, I know that Oklahoma is going to hire, I think it's uh, Brent Venables, the defensive coordinator from Clemson. Well, I think it's a good hire for them. I just don't know if USC is a better job than Oklahoma. I know they're moving to the SEC. Like, I, I just feel like it's a little bit of a cop-out move for, for Lincoln Riley. But, hey, you want to live in California, you got lesser competition, you know, still really good recruiting out there in California. Have um, you gone to Oklahoma? No, but, I mean, no state taxes. It seems no, like o- it was that kind of thing. He liked it. O- Oklahoma or has less state, state taxes. taxes. Yeah, but less, you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, I mean, well, California is more expensive, but he's getting paid $110 million. Well, hey, when you're not paying the players, you can afford it, I guess. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but, hey, uh, I'm excited to see if USC can come back. I think the sport is better when USC is good. Uh, if only we could get Florida back, uh, that would also make the sport better. I also think the SEC is top-heavy, right? After Alabama and Georgia, it's pretty inconsistent on who's good uh, time to time again. So I think Oklahoma could be one of those teams that's uh, consistently good and just uh, they have to hire the right guy. So we'll see what happens there. You know, college football to me is broken beyond repair, Randy. We all know it's a feeder system to pro football. First of all, college football needs to adopt the NFL clock style because these college games are, I mean, it's four and a half hours to watch a college football game. I'm sorry. Football games at most should go three and a half hours, unless it's the championship game. I get it. Get the halftime show in, get, get those extra revenue for commercials, but a four and a half hour Saturday college football game is insane. It is not necessary. So, you know, and, and they have to, somehow get a rain on these offenses putting up 60 and 70 points. I know offense sells, but you got to have some better competition. Defenses have to get something back out of this. So to me, there's a couple of things that college football can do. And with the USFL coming back and with the XFL being owned by the rocks um, team of people, I, I, I would say if I'm those two things, I let 18 year olds come and play and I I would go to the NFL and I'd be like, let us be your feeder system. You know, each team gets like maybe 10 or 15 players to put on a team and, you know, you split partners. Like you get an AFC team to partner with and you feel the team that way. If if they're going to get paid, I'm sure they'll they'll flock to that uh, opportunity if there is one. So uh, we'll see how that goes. I mean, right now there's a ton of money in, in college sports and it's oh, going to yeah. remain that way unless there's a challenger in the future. So uh, they're not going for an education. That's for sure. They're going to, <laughs> make it to the next level. So, all right. Well, that does it for this episode of Football Life Presents the Audible, but this is just one of several options we have under this wonderful Life Group umbrella. As you said earlier in the show, baseball hot stove is he- heating up. And I mean, the lockout's inevitable, but they're going to break it all down tomorrow on Dong City. Vince and our friend Henry, who've been in the comments, all show along that. That's just one one of many other shows we have to offer, right? Absolutely. We have the Work Shoot Wrestling Podcast with Corey Richman and Jason Brooks. I mean, let's face it. I, I think we're starting to put the dirt on uh, the whole WWE thing. I have no idea what's going on with that, Randy, other than that they have released more wrestlers than I can even name. So 
These guys are looking for work. If you want to start a wrestling program out there, audience, just call some of these guys. They are available and they have experience. Um, but no, Corey and Jason do a great job breaking down wrestling. A, a lot of things going on. It's weird. Who knows? But they do. Then on Friday, um, I know we have Jacob and Leon in the comment section. Are you guys going on Friday? Uh, I've seen them go on Saturday. I've seen them go on Sunday. I've seen them go on Monday. So in the comment section, uh, just let us know, Jacob and Leon, what show or what day you guys are going this week, if you're going this week, because I love me some step back and them praising the Chicago Bulls. Um, yeah, it looks like LeBron is in uh, COVID protocols. He could be out for 10 days. So He's vaccinated, though, isn't he? Uh, that, I guess, is unclear. <laughs> so uh, I mean, He's out for 10 days. That seems like he's not vaccinated, but I don't know the protocols. Okay. Yeah, I don't know. They're going Monday. Thank you, Leon. So the step back will be going on Monday. The, I'm sure they'll have a lot to talk about the Bulls winning streak by then. So that would be great to hear them talk about it. And then, as you say, um, well, Felipe and somebody, maybe Austin, <laughs> I, I don't know. Yeah, uh, he's got a, a rotating wheel of guests, it seems. Yeah, he had Dan on yesterday talking about the Hall of Fame, and it was really good stuff. I enjoyed it. So th- that was good stuff from them. Um, always like hearing about the Hall of Fame. About, hopefully, Minnie Minoso gets in. He deserves it very much. And then um, – we get back to us on Tuesday talking to you guys about what happened in week 13 and Randy, yeah. we're getting closer week 18. It's, it's coming up, my friend. It's coming up pretty quickly. It's amazing how fast the season has flown by Matt Bush. And there'll be a fantasy playoffs on the horizon and we're entering the month of December, which is crunch time for the NFL season. So uh, it's amazing how fast the season has flown by, but yeah, be sure to go over to Baseball Life. Check out Dong City tomorrow at 7 for all the latest baseball news. I'm sure the Yankees will have signed approximately nobody by then, so that'll be really fun. Uh, <laughs> really looking forward to that. So, um, All right, well, I want to thank everyone in the comments, everyone who's watched us live on this Facebook feed and participated in our show. It really enhances our show. I think it enhances the, uh, our, our, our performances and it really enhances the quality of the show. Whether you're watching us live on Facebook or on YouTube, we greatly appreciate it. And if you're an audio only uh, platform person, we want to thank you for also just giving us a listen as well. We really appreciate all the support wherever you are listening, however you are listening. Thank you for making us just a small part of your day. In this case, almost two hours of your day. Um, so Matt Bushnell, do you have any parting words for the audience? Uh, you know what, people? You don't have to live a life where you're being abused by the weather. There are plenty of states like Florida and Arizona where you get plenty of sunshine and enjoy some beautiful weather. So love yourself. Move to a warmer climate. This feels like a shot at me. I do not appreciate that. But <laughs> on behalf of Matt Bushnell, I'm Randy Heaven saying enjoy week 13. We'll see you guys next week.